right, everybody. Welcome to episode whatever of the Backseat Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Tristan Weber, as always, taking you around the NFL. Uh, this week, this week, I'm going to get started on Zach Wilson. That's going to be my start of my show today. Now, I'm I'm an empathetic person, okay? I like to think that I'm more empathetic than the average person. However, I feel like this is going to be very contrarian. I feel really bad for Zach Wilson. So I, I don't feel bad that Zach Wilson got benched. I don't feel bad for that because he was deserving of it, okay? His, his play was deserving of him getting benched. And yeah, moreover, his complete lack of accountability was absolutely deserving of Zach Wilson getting benched. However, Zach Wilson is getting drugged through the mud right now. I have seen more than one video out there circulating of him being called a punk, a fraud, a bust. And people are just kicking him while he's down. And Zach Wilson very may well be a fraud, and he very may well be a bust. But Zach Wilson is also a very young man. I mean, Zach Wilson is a 23-year-old quarterback in the NFL. He's young. Let's cut this dude a little bit of slack. I'm not that much older than Zach Wilson. I'm about five years older than him. And I remember being 23. I was dumb as hell at 23, let alone being 23, extremely rich, good-looking mom slayer. Like, that's neither here nor there. I just want to throw it out there. But I was dumb as hell at 23, and I'm a nobody. I could not imagine being that wealthy at 23 and having all that attention and having it not go to my head, okay? So let's reel back on Zach Wilson a little bit. Let's give Zach Wilson an opportunity to take this lump of being benched, which is I'm sure one of the very few times in his life he's been dealt a serving of humble pie. Let's give him an opportunity to grow up, to mature, and develop into a leader. Right now, Zach Wilson is getting the shit end of the Baker Mayfield stick. Now, the reason I say that is because there's a lot of similarities between Zach Wilson and Baker Mayfield in regards to their attitude. They both are cocky to the point of arrogance. You guys know where I'm going with this. And you know what? Zach Wilson may end up being Baker Mayfield. They may end up having very similar careers, but Zach Wilson is also his own person. So let's give Zach Wilson the opportunity to grow before we just start bashing the hell out of him. Cool. That's it. I just feel bad for the kid, okay? He's 23 years old, and I also was 23 years old once, and I was dumb. I'm still dumb, actually, but some more relevant points. The Cincinnati Bengals took down the Tennessee Titans or the Tennessee Frauds 20 to 16 this week. And the Bengals are a real contender. They don't get a ton of publicity despite having Joe Burrow up there and one of the NFL's most explosive offenses. But this team is absolutely going to be a real contender come January. And as remarkably unimpressive as they were at the beginning of the season, you know, perhaps they weren't bad. I mean, I just had really high expectations of them coming out of the gate. Uh, but they have really quietly avoided the Super Bowl loss hangover. One of the more impressive stats this weekend was that they held Derrick Henry to 38 yards rushing. Good job, Cincinnati Bengals. Given Derrick Henry did have one really long reception on a screenplay, but overall, the Cincinnati Bengals looked remarkable 
on Sunday. And it was an ugly game, but Tennessee uglies it up with everybody. So there's no shock they also uglied it up with the Cincinnati Bengals. Tennessee is a well-coached team, and they make it difficult for quite literally every single person that they play against. So I don't buy into much that it was a low-scoring game. And it's even made more impressive by the fact that the Bengals are down Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon, and they still managed to win a game against a playoff-caliber team. And the Bengals' offense, like I just mentioned those two players, the Bengals' offense gets a lot of well-deserved praise, but this defense is not talked about enough, and it is wildly underrated. Trey Hendrickson is one of the most underrated players in the NFL, and they do really well on that side of the ball. Right now, the Bengals are ranked 11th in defense, and they are ranked 11th in uh, overall. They're ranked 11th against the pass, and they're ranked 11th against the runs. This is a fringe top 10 defensive team. And alternatively, on the other side of this, I talked about this for a second, but I hate, I hate, I hate watching the Tennessee Titans play. I put up a short video about this, but the Tennessee Titans are the most boring team in the NFL. A few weeks ago, I went on this rant about how the Titans aren't that good and how they only average 17 points a game for Ryan Tannehill. And people tried to tell me I was wrong about the Tennessee Titans, and I'm not. I'm a thousand percent right. I am right on the Tennessee Titans. They are fraudulent. And this team is just so completely freaking boring. And it's not just because, like, the way they play is boring, but it's because we all know their story already. We know what the Tennessee Titans are. We know what their ceiling is. Their ceiling is extremely obvious. We know what's going to happen to them. We know they're going to win this lousy division. They're going to go to the playoff, and they're going to lose early, or they're going to pull off some fluky win against some other team because Mike Vrabel's an excellent coach, and they're going to lose in the playoffs. It's just boring. We just know what this team is. Best-case scenario the Tennessee Titans, they pull off a fluky win in the playoffs. I just, I just can't, I, I just don't like the Tennessee Titans. And I live in Tennessee. I live in Knoxville and I don't even like the Titans. Now, the complete shift of years, the Browns have Deshaun Watson coming back this week. And I'm going to warn all of you. It is going to be really ugly to start off with, with Deshaun Watson. It has been Something around, if not slightly over two years since he has played a live game of football. And that is a really long time, especially for a position like quarterback that is very nuanced, rhythmic, and difficult. It is extremely difficult to play quarterback, let alone with two years off. And people seem to forget how bad Deshaun Watson looked in this preseason. He looked bad. He struggled to complete anything at all. And the preseason is different from the regular season because defenses run their absolute most base, bland, boring, nothing looks. They don't show anything on defense. It's bland and it's uninspiring on defense in the preseason. And he still struggled. I'm going to go on record right now. And I'm going to say that they will be worse with Deshaun Watson at the helm this season. However... This season should not be seen as anything more than a tune-up for next season for the Cleveland Browns into next season for them moving forward with Deshaun Watson. It is going to be up to head coach Kevin Stefanski and the offensive staff in Cleveland to figure out collectively what works for them and what works for Deshaun Watson, works with Deshaun Watson, and move forward with it going forward in the next season. He's going to walk into this season. He's going to be very rusty, and they are going to lose a lot of games. 
But there are people out there that are making the assumption the Browns are going to make the playoffs with Deshaun Watson. That's just silly. That is just silly. They aren't making the playoffs this season. The AFC is just too deep, and Deshaun Watson is coming on too late, and he is going to be too rusty and out of sorts for that to be a reality for the Cleveland Browns. They're not making the playoffs with Deshaun Watson. Saying on the topic of Tampa Bay, or the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns took down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime. And I'm a Tampa Bay fan by virtue of, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan, okay? I'm a big-time Tom Brady fan. However, this team, this Tampa Bay team is clearly a team with limitations, and I don't really see them as a contender moving forward. However, I would still like to bring forward the reasons to you. I think they could potentially make a run, but I'll also explain to you why I think they're limited, okay? So there is some to like about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving forward. The defense is playing really, really, really well right now, and Devin White is out there playing out of his mind week in and week out. Yeah, he gave up that fourth down touchdown catch against David Njoku, but that was a really, really, really crazy catch and is the only time this season I believe on fourth down, whatever, whatever, some weird stat. I'll find it that that uh, that uh, fourth down and fifteen that they've come down to touchdown. Whatever, it was a weird, it was a weird scenario. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has been playing extremely well this season, and Devin White once again is playing ridiculously well. And there's a decided difference in Devin White's ability to play when Levante David is on the field versus when he is not. Okay, but they're playing extremely well. And their running game is also starting to have an impact on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive offense. It's it's not going crazy, perhaps every week like they did against the Seattle Seahawks, but they were absolutely dreadful and all time bad on the ground for the first six, seven, eight weeks of this season. And Rashad White becoming the main running back in Tampa is definitely a big deal. He has shown significant juice and pop and explosion. He is looking to help that offense come alive on the ground, and he is showing that he is able to play at the NFL level and definitely, at least in my opinion, looks better than Leonard Fournette does right now. Also, Nick Leverett has been inserted as a starter at left guard, and he's done a really, really, really good job solidifying the Buccaneers' offensive line. And I don't want to be hyperbolic, here when I say this, but it is totally possible that Nick Leverett has saved the Buccaneers season from being a total disaster. They were that that offensive line was really, really, really struggling for the first couple of weeks. And it's then when he comes in, all of a sudden they're looking a heck of a lot better. So there might be something to that. And lastly, Tom Brady is on this team, and that speaks for itself. I mean, can you really count out a Tom Brady team? He really didn't play super well against the Browns. He missed some throws up the sideline to Chris Evans. And I do place some of the blame for this game on him. But at the end of the day, it is still Tom Brady's. This team can't be counted out. Now, here's why the Buccaneers are what you think they are. And here's why what I think that they are. The Buccaneers right now just don't score enough points. They're ranked 27th in points per game. They're averaging 17 points. Uh, they're averaging, actually, I'm sorry, about 18 points. And 17 points per game in regulation against the Cleveland Browns, obviously, just isn't good enough. They need to scar- start scoring more points more frequently. I, I don't think, and I'm sure you at home don't think defense wins championships anymore. So if this Tampa Bay team has aspirations to make a deep playoff run, they need to start scoring more points in a hurry. 
which is also obviously easier said than done. Second, the Buccaneers also need to scheme pressure versus just create pressure with the personnel they have. Shaq Barrett, their best pass rusher, he went down a couple weeks ago with an Achilles injury. And obviously when you lose your best pass rusher, that's going to be a big deal. But I'm not saying it's, it's not possible for them to continue generating pressure the way that they do. But if you look back to that 2020 run from Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it was a lot of four down linemen rushing and then uh, seven. Sorry. Yeah. No, my math is my math is not massing here. Yeah. Seven dropping back in coverage. Okay. There was a significant amount of that. Four down linemen creating pressure and then seven dropping back in coverage. And then Todd Bowles doing Todd Bowles things being creative was also the cherry on top as far as getting quarterback pressures is concerned. This season, it's not that way. It's Todd Bowles having to scheme up the pressure week in and week out, which I'm not saying isn't sustainable because we've seen it in the past. However, one option of having your four down linemen and then dropping seven in coverage is obviously preferable to that. They also just lost the best right tackle in the game, Tristan Wirfs. For a few weeks, that one just speaks for itself. And lastly, I don't understand this coaching staff. Like, I just, I don't understand Byron Leftwich. I don't, I, I don't understand this Tampa Bay Buccaneers coaching staff. I just don't get it. Like, how, how do you have a roster with pass catchers the like of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Tom Brady, and only average 18 to 19 points a game? And then it, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it, I I just I physically I cannot understand the play calling. They went out. They went three and out multiple times, and Byron Leftwich just continues to be predictable with this play calling. And none of this just makes any sense. Including, I mean, Kate Otten, the rookie tight end, looked really good for them the past couple of weeks, and now they are back to starting Cameron Bray. I just don't understand it, and it really shows a lot to me how much Bruce Arians really meant in that building for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is just not, he was not given enough respect in regards to coaching the entire team and making that offense work. He clearly meant something to them. And in conclusion, despite their success in, in the past couple seasons, Tampa Bay just looks like a medium floor, medium ceiling type of team this year. I mean, if they were in a better division, they likely would not be making the playoffs, but the reason we're even giving them the medium floor, type of ceiling is simply because of what we've seen them do in the past and because they have Tom Brady. Lastly, this podcast has been going on for about 12 weeks now, and I have whiffed big time in some spots, and I would like to own up to a few of the things that I was just wrong on. So I just want to go ahead and come on air and just admit some places where I was wrong. Uh, starting off, two weeks ago, I was all hot and bothered about the Green Bay Packers beating the Dallas Cowboys. And I went, I talked it all up about how the Green Bay Packers were going to win seven of eight games and they were going to the playoffs. And I was wrong. I just typically overreacting like that is not something that I do. I like to think that I'm objective, but I was, I, I guess I'm not immune to the occasional overreaction. I also said that before the season, I want to say in the very first Back Seattle podcast, I said that the Cowboys wouldn't make the, they would not make the playoffs. And I was way wrong about that. And moreover, recently, I've been saying that the Dallas Cowboys aren't a Super Bowl contender. And that's just not true. I appear to be wrong about that as well. I mean, I believe 
that the Dallas Cowboys playoff ability and their ability to go deep into the playoff is more about the overall weakness of the NFC as a whole versus how good Dallas is. But there's a total and real possibility that the Dallas Cowboys could be in the Super Bowl this season. And, you know, I've been saying they couldn't, but it's time for me to come around and admit that this team is a real Super Bowl contender. I also insinuated a few weeks ago that Patrick Mahomes would not have an amazing season, would perhaps have a step back season, if you will, due to him losing Tyreek Hill, who I believe is the most impactful offensive player in the NFL. It's not a quarterback. And I whiffed on that one big time. He is currently leading the NFL in every single major statistical category. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes, I, I was just wrong on that one. And lastly, at the beginning of the season, I picked Joe Burrow to be the MVP, and I absolutely believed it. And it was a bit hot takey, uh, but I genuinely thought he had a chance. And really, Joe Burrow is not really even in the MVP discussion. I mean, losing that game to the Steelers and just playing really, really rough early on in the season, it just kind of tanked his. Uh, it kind of tanked his his MVP hopes. But I still believe he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL ish, somewhere in that range. But he's not winning the MVP this season. Maybe someday he'll win it, but not this season. Cool. So that's it. That's my show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Take care, everybody.